Welcome to Good Guy Grant's podcast. It's mad decent. This is the Good Guy Grant podcast. I'm your host, Grant. Coming up on today's show, we'll talk a little OSU football because I want to talk about a certain player in Kayvon Pope. We'll talk Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, the opinion I have on what's going on with them. Look at MLB standings and the NFL standings as of right now. Now, the breaking news that if you did not see, Andy Reid did not take questions from the media. He was actually put in an ambulance after today's game and got taken to the hospital. Reports are he will be okay. But that is breaking news that's coming in. I didn't want to talk about the uh, Ben Simmons situation because for anybody that listens to you know any kind of serious you know XM radio uh, like I do or you listen to CSPN General, Ben Simmons was the talk all of last week. Um, if I'm the Sixers, I'll talk about for two seconds. I would deal into Sacramento or Minnesota, uh, try to get a young asset back, and that's it. Uh, want to first apologize. You know, it's been a little while since I've done an episode. Um, just got a lot going on. You know, I didn't want to do an episode and not have the energy that I usually have. So that's why I haven't done an episode lately because I haven't had the, I would say, the energy to be able to do one. And I don't want to rob people of, you know, listening to the podcast kind of going forward. First topic I want to talk about. Ohio State Buckeyes linebacker Kayvon Pope leaves the sideline in the game against Akron on Saturday and basically quits the team in the middle of the game. The reason that he basically quit in a sense, uh, Pope tried to enter the game in the second quarter but was waved off by linebacker Terod uh, Mitchell. Pope walked into the locker room but an Ohio State staffer brought him back to the sidelines. According to reports, Pope then threw his gloves into the stands and attempted to take off his jersey on the sidelines. A couple Ohio State coaches had conversations with him before he was escorted by a staffer into the locker room. Pope did send out some tweets um, after the game saying, fuck Ohio State. He said that while the game was still happening, he also tweeted, good luck to my teammates and left everything basically on. Now, what seemed to transpire in the last 24 hours... For people that don't know who Pope is, he is a senior at Ohio State. He's played in 33 games. He has three tackles this season. He's basically kind of uh, like a second-string linebacker, to be honest with you. He's not getting the the playing time he hoped for. You know, at the end of the day, you play whoever the best is at this position, and just in general. Uh, for a guy who, <clears throat> excuse me, let me clear my throat. For a guy like Pope, who's 22, he's a senior. He's been around the program for a while. He knows what it takes to start because he's been around. And there's no excuse. You know, at the end of the day, if you're, you know, a freshman and you get a little bit upset, things like that, it's a senior's job to kind of take him to the sidelines, kind of coach him up, make sure they're okay. This is a guy who's a senior. He basically wasn't playing as much as he would like. Uh, He's not very happy with his playing time. And he basically acted like a child at the end of the day. Um, What happened today, and I'll go over what I feel like actually happened. Pope sent out a tweet that said, Last night I let my emotions get the best of me. For that, I want to apologize to my teammates, coaches, and Buckeye Nation. I made a mistake, and I know that I need to be better and do better. I'm going to take this time to reflect and work on my mental well-being. So basically what happened... After Pope uh, sent those tweets out last night, which he actually deleted, you know, the fuck Ohio State, things like that, he 
basically kind of, you know, calmed himself down, thought about it for a second, and he's like, well, shit, if I'm not playing, what's going to happen to my scholarship at the end of the day, you know? He acted like a child. He needed to grow up. So he walks into Ryan Day's office, uh, apologizes to him, and says, you know, what I did was wrong. I want to be back on the team. A lot of blah, 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 basically. That's what Pope told Ryan Day. Ryan Day said, you know, you're going to be punished uh, per the team rules. This is what's going to happen. <clears throat> At the end of the day, you know, what you did was wrong. You're a senior. You should know better. And Ryan Day told Pope, and this is basically to kind of save Pope from looking even more like an asshole. Ryan Day and uh, the people that kind of handle the PR for Iowa State basically told Pope, here, tweet this out. And then that's when that... Uh, Basically, what they call an apology came out today on Sunday. So my issue with this, number one, the guy walked off in the middle of the game. He left the bench. He walked into the locker room while the game was still going on. That's my first problem because you should be there for your teammates. You're on scholarship. You're getting a free ride to Ohio State. You're a senior, so you're going to graduate. You're an upperclassman, so you're supposed to be setting the tone for everybody on the team. Imagine you're a freshman and you're looking at Pope, and Pope walks off the field because he's not getting playing time and acting like a crybaby. What kind of message does that send to the upper, the underclassmen, you know, your freshmen and sophomores, who are trying to work hard to get on the field? What does that send a message to your coaches? The coaches are probably thinking, well, we can't depend on this guy. He literally walked off. That's one of my problems also. The third problem is the fact that Pope waited a day before he tweeted out his apology. Now, if it was after the game and he said this apology, it had been a little bit different. Um, you know, claim the mental health thing. But the fact that he waited 24 hours makes me think that the team PR people, which every college program has a PR guy, basically went up to Pope and said, if you want to remain on this team... You have to send out this tweet for an apology. There's going to be disciplinary reasons uh, for Pope. Uh, one of the things I know happened is he won't play in the next game. He'll have to go through you know, extra drills in practice. He'll have to run up down steps. He'll have to probably do some community service work. Even though it's not like a criminal thing, but usually that's the way they punish athletes in college. They make them some, do some kind of work to work their self back onto the team. I remember years ago when... Oregon played Boise State, and LeGarrette Blunt was a running back at Oregon. And he, after the game, Boise State had won. LeGarrette Blunt was on the field and walked past a Boise State defensive end, and Boise State was celebrating. So LeGarrette Blunt basically tried to swing on the guy. The difference between the two situations was LeGarrette Blunt apologized right away. It was actually a heartfelt apology when you watch it. He actually cared. He let the emotions get the best of him. Is that an excuse for LeGarrette Blunt punching somebody? No. But the fact that he owned up to his mistake right away, like, you know, I shouldn't have done that, things like that. And Pope did it at the end of the day. He sent out multiple tweets basically saying, fuck Ohio State, good luck to my teammates. So the PR guy at Ohio State, once Pope came up to him and said, you know, I went back on the team, what do I got to do? Ryan Day, you know, I need you know be on scholarship. I need to finish this out. What do I got to do? PR guy's like, all right, delete the tweets that you sent out, the fuck Ohio State, and good luck to my teammates' tweets. Take those off Twitter. 
go on social media and issue an apology. That's what Pope did. Again, I don't expect Pope to play in the next game or even, you know, for a few games, to be honest with you. Do I see his point? No. At the end of the day, there's 90 players on scholarship. Everybody's fighting to get on the field, especially in a game where Ohio State dominated Akron. It wasn't even close. Ohio State won by over 40. It was not close of a game. And the fact that this guy, who is a senior, complained because he got taken out and had to rotate and then acting like a crybaby, I, I don't agree with the way Pope did this. I would not have even kept him on the team, to be honest with you, if that was me. When you watch big programs, like, for instance, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, they all rotate players. They rotate players throughout the game. You know, the go, second, third string defensive linemen. Do the same thing with linebackers. They rotate their secondary in. They keep guys fresh. That's how you develop talent. That's how you build it up in case your seniors leave. You have other players waiting in the wing. That's how it happens in college at the end of the day. This guy who's a senior pope, last chance to play in the games like this, and he screwed it up. Um, pope is not an NFL draft prospect. He's not a player who's going to do much um, at all when it comes to a career after this in football. Again, he's played in 33 career games, three tackles this season. This is the second linebacker that Ohio State's had problems with in the last week. Uh, Dallas Gant, another linebacker, he entered the transfer portal uh, last Wednesday uh, after seeing minimal amount of playing time. But again, Dallas Gant did not come out and basically just shit all over the team like Pope did. Dallas Gant said, you know, if I'm not getting playing time, I'm out. So he put his name in the transfer window. He's going to go somewhere else try to play. That's fine. If Pope would have finished the game without any issues and then put his name in the transfer portal, not said a word, he would have been fine, but he said a lot of dumb shit, things that a kid would say, not a dude who's you know, 21, 22 years old, a senior on Ohio State. That's definitely a big mistake. I want to look at two quarterbacks uh, in the NFL, to be honest with you. They're both rookies. Um, sorry, I had to answer a text real quick. Um, Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. For people who did not watch the game today, Justin Fields got killed. Browns had, uh, I think it was seven sacks. Justin Fields on the day. Look at these stats. And they're not good. Six of 20, 68 yards. No TDs, no interceptions. Not good. Completion percentage, 30%. They lost 26 to 6 to the Browns. Browns, good defense. Miles Garrett, hell of a day. Four and a half sacks. Browns are... One of the top teams in the AFC, I'll give them credit for that, probably top three as of right now. Um, the, the Chiefs definitely struggled today. But with you know Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson on the year, 468 yards total, two TDs, five picks. When you're a rookie in the NFL, the big thing with quarterbacks is progression. And what I mean by that is, you're a rookie in the NFL, when you're in college, you have a chance to look for your second and third wide receivers. You have a little bit more time in the pocket. You're not always facing teams with a ton of speed week in and week out, unless you play in the SEC. That's the big problem, what's, what's going on with Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. When you're a rookie in the NFL, they tell you you have to go through your progressions quick. Probably 10, 15 seconds quicker than you are in college. 
You have to be able to get it or else you're looking and staring down wide receivers. That's what happened with Justin Fields today. When you watch that game, and even if you watch it in a replay, look at Justin Fields' eyes. He is staring down wide receivers all the way. And what that does for a defensive back, or even a linebacker for that matter, all they have to do is follow the quarterback's eyes and they're going to see exactly where the ball is going. That is the big issue that's happening with Zach Wilson. That is the big issue that's happening with Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence, it's tough to evaluate uh, Trevor Lawrence because he plays in Jacksonville and he, they don't get a lot of TV time. So I make it uh, a little bit tougher to kind of find his games, kind of watch, so I won't lie. But Justin Fields, he, especially in the second half, you can tell, looking down wide receivers immediately right after the ball is snapped. Watch his eyes. Watch the helmet. He's looking down wide receivers to the left. He's looking down wide receivers in the middle, looking them down on the right. Defensive backs are reading that, and they're going to jump those routes and take it for a, a TD. I'm surprised Justin Fields did not throw actually a pick today, to be honest with you. His offensive line did let him down. Like I said, seven sacks that the Browns had. I give credit to the Browns' defense. They played really well, especially their D-line. Miles Garrett, hell of a game. But the big thing is... If you're a rookie quarterback, you got to go through progressions quickly. You have to develop at the end of the day. This is not college. Zach Wilson came from BYU. Justin Fields played at Ohio State. You're not in college anymore. This is a wake-up call for both quarterbacks. You have to show something or you're going to be out of the league very quickly. Look at Dwayne Haskins. He, he basically came in after a good year at Ohio State, got drafted by the Washington football team, now he's the backup for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He ain't playing at all. He was terrible as a rookie. Terrible. These teams are investing first-round picks in quarterbacks because they want a franchise quarterback, and they're not getting it. Justin Fields, hate to tell you, you don't have a lot of talent around you. I'll give you that. You know, the Bears are not a very good team uh, when you look at overall talent on the Bears roster. Uh, ultimately, are they setting him up to fail in his first year? Yeah, but you're... On a bad team, and that's going to happen. You know, at the end of the day, David Montgomery's your running back. Allen Robinson's more of a number two wide receiver than a number one. And then you got Marquise Goodwin, Darnell Moody, Rashad Perryman, December Webster, Demir Bird, Cole Kemet, Jimmy Graham's on that team as a second tight end. He's too old. Jesse James he used to play for the Steelers. He's their third tight end. He's not very good. When you look at the offensive line for the Bears. Jermaine Effetti, he was a bust in Seattle. James Daniel, there's a reason why he was available after leaving the team he left. Cody Whithair, he's getting a little bit up there in years. Jason Peters, no team wanted Jason Peters in the offseason because of his age. What happens? The Bears scoop him up. The offensive line for the Bears is not great, so Justin Fields is going to get a quick dose of the rookie year and not be very good. But if Justin Fields has a bad year, he goes into the offseason and he has to turn around. He has to see what he did wrong or the wheels are going to fall off immediately. And the same with Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, when you look at the Jets' talent around him, they did not set him up for success at the end of the day. Running back, Ty Johnson. They drafted Michael Carter, but I don't think he's the number one uh, running back. Paid big money to Corey Davis. I thought that was a mistake. Jameson Crowders, yeah. Elijah Moore's a rookie. Tyler Croft, former Bengals tight end, not very good. But when you look at that offensive line for the Jets, George Faint, Morgan Moses, Connor McGovern, 
Those are guys that teams did not want. George Faint played for Seattle, and he played for the Bengals at one point. Not very good. Morgan Moses, there's a reason why the Washington football team let you go. Because of the fact that they didn't, they thought you were over the hill and done. Connor McGovern, you're not ready. Dan Feeney, who was a bust with the Chargers. Alejandro Navarro Tucker, he's a rookie. These guys, with Mekhi Becton, basically, who should be the left tackle for the Jets out, it's George Fain. That's who's going to play left tackle. He's not very good. So what happens when you have a depleted offensive line? You have to get the ball out even quicker than you think at the end of the day. You have to utilize your tight ends. You have to utilize your running backs coming out of the backfield. You you don't want to set up as an offensive coordinator, rookie quarterback, to where you're kind of playing two tight ends, having a fullback in a lot, because what is that going to tell a defense? That you're going to run the ball. If you are a coordinator and you have a rookie quarterback and the offensive line is not very good like the Jets and the Bears, you have to have quick slants, quick outs on these wide receivers. You have to get the ball out quick. Put the guy in the shotgun. Let him throw it really quickly. You're not going to be able to get the ball down the field, you know, 30, 40, 50-yard bombs because the fact is your offensive line will not hold up. Do I think Zach Wilson has a shot to be a good quarterback? Yes, but it's all up to him, and it's also all up to what the uh, Jets GM puts around him. Do I think Justin Fields is a good quarterback? I think it remains to be seen, to be at the end of the day. Justin Fields, when he came out of Ohio State, the big flag on him, and remember, I live in the Columbus area, he stares down wide receivers, and he's doing that again. Baker Mayfield in his first year had that issue. He corrected it. Can Justin Fields do that? When you watched, when the Bears offense came off, off the field, was there Bears teammates going around Justin Fields to make sure he was okay today? No. It was basically him by himself next to Nick Foles occasionally. If you have a rookie quarterback, you have to keep his energy positive or else it's like a spiral effect. Trevor Lawrence, again, he plays in Jacksonville. Nobody's going to be paying attention too much because they're not a well-run organization, I won't lie. But the Jets and Bears, especially the Jets, because of the fact that the media in New York will shit on you very quickly. Chicago, you got a little bit of a leash. You know, you got White Sox are having a good year with Tony LaRusso as manager, so a lot of people are paying attention to them. But Chicago is a football city, so Justin Fields needs to turn around quick. Or Matt Nagy, who should have been fired a while ago, is going to get fired finally. The Jets, you know, they hired Robert Sala, who I like, who's really improved that defense, to be honest with you. But when you hire a defensive head coach, the key is you need to bring in a really good offensive coordinator because your head coach does not know how to call plays very well. He's not an offensive guy. He's a defensive guy. So when you hire a defensive coordinator to be your head coach, you better hire a really good offensive coordinator. If you don't, your offense will struggle because the head coach, he's not too familiar with calling plays at the end of the day on offense. He knows defense. Got to turn it around. I want to end talk, looking at a couple standings at the end of the day. Major League Baseball coming down to the end in the season. Right now when you look at the American League East, Tampa Bay Rays 97-59. and they're eight and a half up on Boston, who is 88 and 67. Eight and a half up on the Yankees, who are 88 and 67. In the American League Central, Chicago White Sox, 88 and 68. They're 11 and a half up on the Indians, locked up the division. Houston Astros, 
91 and 64. Man, you want to talk about a big second half by the Astros. That's incredible. At the end of the day, they really battled in, took over that division. They're six and a half up on the Mariners, who are 85 and 70. If you're a Mariners fan, to be honest with you, I like the, the season you had. You're 15 games over 500 on a team that people knew would not contend, but you're 15 up uh, when it comes to standings, which is good. National League East, Atlanta Braves, 82 and 72. They got a two games lead on the Philadelphia Phillies, who are 81 and 75. The Mets, nine games back, 73 and 81. They have been eliminated. National League Central, Milwaukee Brewers locked up the division, 93 and 62. They are seven games up on the Cardinals, who are 86 and 69. The Reds, I've tried to tell people all season, the Reds are pretenders. 81 and 75, they're 12 and a half back. They've had a horrible second half, to be honest with you. Horrible. National League West, in my opinion, the best division in baseball. San Francisco Giants, first team to 100 wins. 101 and 54. And they only have a two-game lead on the Dodgers, who are 99 and 56. That is one hell of a division, to be honest with you. The Padres tailed off. I'm curious to see what the Padres do in the offseason because they have... A lot of people making big money. Got uh, Tatis with big money, Machado with big money, Hosmer with big money. And at the end of the day, they're one game over 500 with that massive payroll. When you look at the wild card, it's Boston and the Yankees right now. They're two up on the Blue Jays, three up on the Mariners. National League. Of course, the Dodgers right now in the wild card for number one. Cardinals, number two. Reds, Phillies, both five and a half back. In terms of baseball, you know, it's wrapping up, things like that. Baseball really needs a really good uh, postseason. They really need to get those ratings up, so hopefully we'll see a really good uh, postseason in baseball. When you look at the NFL standings, the this is up to the minutes. Uh, I know the 4 o'clock games have not uh, finalized. That's fine. You got the AFC East, the Bills 2-1, and one. Dolphins 1-1, one and one. Patriots 1-2, and two. Mac Jones really needs to step it up for New England, but they're kind of babying him through. Of course, the Jets are 0-2. In the AFC North, you have a three-way tie. Bengals, Ravens, Browns are all 2-1. Pittsburgh's 1-2. The key for all three of those teams who are 2-1, they haven't lost the game at home. Baltimore and the Bengals 1-0. Browns are 2-0 at home. AFC South. Got the Titans right now, two and one. Texans one and two. Jacksonville zero and three. Colts are zero and three. Carson Wentz looks like a terrible, terrible pickup by the Colts. And then Quentin Nelson went out today with an injury. That's not very good. He's one of the best offensive guards in the NFL. In the AFC West, you have a tie at top between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos, who are both two and zero. Teddy Ball game. Teddy Bridgewater. Got a couple wins so far for the Broncos. Derek Carr and John Gruden, couple wins for Vegas as of right now. The Chargers, 2-1. Kansas City, 1-2. Wow. The big thing with the Chiefs, they're 1-1 at home. Got to protect home field at the end of the day. The And the uh, National Football League and the NFC, the NFC East. There's a tie between the Eagles and Cowboys. My Cowboys play Monday night. They're both 1-1. One one. Washington is 1-2, and, and the Giants are 
That division, oh, it's looking pretty ugly, to be honest with you. And I'm a Cowboys fan saying that. NFC North, Packers right now 1-1 one one at top. Bears 1-2. Minnesota, God, Kirk Cousins got so much guaranteed money since coming to Minnesota. And even he got some when he was in Washington, too. Team is 0-2. Detroit, 0-3. Not good for Dan Campbell. At the end of the day, they lost today on a 66-yard field goal by Justin Tucker. Wow, 66 yards. The, if anybody watched it, the ball hit the um, the goalpost at the bottom and then bounced over. It was pretty awesome, to be honest with you. NFC South. This is probably the best division in football right now. Right now. Panthers are 3-0 and with Sam Darnold. Tampa Bay 2-0. New Orleans 2-1. Atlanta 1-2. The key... For those two top teams, Carolina and Tampa, both of them are 2-0 at home. Carolina 3-0 with Sam Darnold. What are the Jets thinking right now, giving up on Sam Darnold? I tried to tell people on this that Sam Darnold is a capable quarterback in the NFL, and nobody believed me. Is it early in the season? Yes. In the NFC West, another good division. Probably one of the top ones as well. Arizona 3-0. San Francisco 2-0. The Rams are 2-0 with Matthew Stafford. The Cardinals, man, I tell you, Kyler Murray, he's got, you know, Hopkins, A.J. Green had a good game today. They won two of their three games on the road. San Francisco won both of their games on the road. That's a good division. Seattle's 1-1. I really hope everybody enjoyed this episode, enjoyed, you know, football this weekend. I will be back hopefully next weekend with a new episode. Enjoy and enjoy this week.